joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state. Hosted by me, Jeff Rent, and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Former dot-com executive and author Seth Godin said, in a crowded marketplace, fitting in is failure. In a busy marketplace, not standing out is the same as being invisible. Business and economic development leaders often look at successful communities and they try to emulate what that community did to become successful instead of looking for a way to differentiate themselves from their neighbors. Here to talk about how to differentiate your community through storytelling is Tyler Rayburn, who is the CEO of full-service marketing firm Rayburn Media LLC. At Rayburn Media, Tyler has married creativity with cost efficiency to produce a return-on-investment-centered culture. Through creative storytelling, he has helped a variety of businesses and organizations achieve their goals. Welcome, Tyler Rayburn, to Mississippi Prospects. Glad to be here. We appreciate you coming in. You know, one of the key elements in economic development is highlighting those factors in a community which set you apart from the competition. First of all, why is this important to showcase the differences? I think people get too caught up with the general metrics that everybody wants to show to certain companies, whether it's related to workforce, locations, what what access do we have to this rail or to to this waterway? And they kind of get lost from the perspective of there's there are a hundred different proposals coming across these site selection consultants' desks. There's a hundred different uh, locations that potentially companies could potentially go to, organizations could potentially pick for whatever they're going to plant their next business venture and they're looking for reasons to cut you and you've got to stand out a little further than than is typical so just reporting on what the ACT says about you and just reporting on from a workforce perspective isn't enough anymore especially when you've got people looking at communities across the United States in a very easy um, and general way to be able to because with digital media with access to websites they don't have to go visit all these places anymore they can see all this stuff at the touch of their fingers, no matter where they are in the world. Do you see a lot of communities uh, or find rather that they have the inability to tell their own story and especially understand what makes them unique because they are exposed to those unique elements they possess every day and they take it for granted? I think one of two things happen in every community. Either one, they are, they compare themselves to someone they're not. They look at New Orleans and say, we don't have those kind of events. We don't have jazz fest. We don't have the food and the culture that New Orleans has. Or they look at themselves and they're way too prideful about certain things. And they and they feature things that may not be the positive that they want them to be or may not be the negative they want them to be. And so I think one of the things that gets lost in it is, is this comparison culture. Like how do I stack up against other people and they become reactive? They showcase this, therefore we need to showcase that rather than thinking about their community from a holistic sense and saying, what do we offer that's not only different, but a positive to executives that want to come in to want to move teams in to recruit people. So you're a big proponent of storytelling. Uh, We were talking earlier about that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Let's start with first, what does that mean when you talk about storytelling? I think when I say storytelling, people are thinking of The Hobbit from J.R. Tolkien. (laughs) 
they're not thinking of the, the the storytelling in the sense of marketing or public relations. They think that they've got to come up with this documentary. They've got to come up with this expose that's just unbelievably sexy and great and entertaining. And that's not what it is. Storytelling from a marketing and public relations perspective is quite simply just very concisely in an organized manner, uh, expressing information. And it doesn't have to be entertaining, just in a palpable manner. And so rather, if you can turn a two-page document into an infographic that can be palpable rather than me have to sit there and sit, read it for five minutes, that's a plus. If you can turn a story or some, something that somebody's talking through in a 30-page document into a four-minute video, that's going to be a more palpable way to take in this information. So storytelling isn't necessarily just this entertaining facet. It's it's a way to concisely communicate information to somebody that wants to hear it or wants to read it. So how can a community start the process of telling their story? What's the evaluation process they need to go through and how do you help them with that process? I think one of the biggest things that communities get caught up of is, is what is our pitch? What's our general pitch? And they think about it in a holistic manner. But when you're going to market with these people, whether you're traveling and going to talk to them, whether it's coming across in some kind of proposal format, like you're, you've got to tailor that story to the industry, to the company, to the organization that's looking at your site. And so a lot of times we get caught up in these are our numbers. We're going to go over A, B, and C. We're going to talk about our workforce here. We're going to talk about the sites here. We, we offer this. We have this from a community standpoint. And they don't tailor it to, is this a young health tech company that is interested in XYZ? Whereas, or, or is this a manufacturing company where the blue collar worker and their quality of life and their longevity in that market is extremely important. So trying to tailor the story. So when you go to the table, and when you start to to create, what am I talking about? What what am I going to be presenting to whoever we're to that site selection consultant, to whoever I'm coming across? We need to be coming to the table with like minds. So if I'm presenting to a manufacturing company and showcasing not only my workforce, my quality of life for these people, am I bringing to the table successful executives from those from current manufacturing companies in our? Um, in our communities. And if I can get those people from the community to tell them, talk me through their struggles and their benefits and their pros and their cons, then I can start to tailor something that speaks to, it's not just this holistic, but I can tailor it to the needs of whatever that industry is. Right. And so I need some, I need to get people at the table considering and talking through what our community brings to them. That's beneficial specific to that industry, not just trying to make one big pitch deck that you use for everybody. Because I feel like a lot of economic development professionals get lost in the data and we want to talk about workforce numbers and workforce training programs and all of those are critically important to the process. But years ago, I had a consultant tell me, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, uh, the consultant said, when we start talking about our quality of life, he stopped me and he goes, everybody's got quality of life. So we moved on. Now the conversation has flipped and one of the first questions they want to know about, you know, because they've got all the data already, they have access to the same database as we do. They want to know what their employees are going to do when they're not at work and what is there for entertainment value, outdoor activities, uh, cultural activities. And I have to imagine that this is a really now it's a critically important part of the storytelling process to showcase what's available beyond the data. And I think that this comes across with 
any industry you talk to that you're bringing in? Like, what is the quality of life? Because we do, we have all your numbers. We've, we've scoped out 12 locations. They've all met our criteria. Now we need some kind of differentiating factor. And quality of life is a lot of times the biggest one that they're looking at. And there's two things that you really need to consider when you're trying to put your quality of life, you know, on display. One is what do you have to show? Because they can't always come to town when you've got your chili fest going on or you got your Mardi Gras event and they're not going to see how the community comes out and supports all this stuff. And so you've got to be thinking ahead and getting this, whether it's video, whether it's photography, you got to be getting things to showcase that you actually have what you're talking about. And number two is from a quality of life standpoint, I think people have started to realize from the data, whether it's training employees, turnover, anything else, we need to make sure that we've got somewhere people want to be. Can we recruit to your community? And rather, can you commute, uh, recruit to your own community? Like we need to not only get talent here, but we need them to stay here. What do the turnover numbers look like? Do people want to live here? Do people want to be here? And I think considering those two things, preparation from the perspective of showcasing quality of life and whether that's in, from, in a documentation standpoint or hopefully more of a video photography imagery standpoint. And secondly, what do people want to stay in your community? And if so, what are the numbers that support that? When you start the process, you've got a new client, you're sitting down with them. Who do you want around the table to help you craft that well-rounded story? Because you'll of course have the local officials, your client, but obviously more external input will help you tell a better, more well-rounded, comprehensive story, I would imagine. Like we discussed earlier, you definitely want somebody that's relatable to that specific story you're trying to tell. So if I'm using for the example, if I'm recruiting a manufacturing company to our town, if I'm recruiting a Toyota, if I'm recruiting, I want somebody who has the same struggles that can talk me through what's beneficial about our community and what's not. What do we need to address up front? What do we need? What do we need to not address at all? What, what do I need to talk about? I need that person that has the expertise in whatever that industry is. But in addition to that, I need stakeholders. I need people that have a stake in this community getting better from bringing them in. I need to know what they're willing to do and what they're willing to showcase and how they're willing to help to get us to create materials, to tell this story, to recruit whoever we're trying to recruit and to talk to that site selection uh, consultant and get that information. And in addition to the stakeholder, it's really big. The more people you bring to the table the more people who feel like they're a part of the process and therefore willing to commit more of their time and resources to getting this done. And so if I can get those stakeholders in, but also can I get people from the community in? And it doesn't have to be anybody that's the CEO of your largest um, corporation in town. It can be the, the Main Street Association assistant who really puts in all the work and takes care of everything. Can I get that person involved? And they know all the ins and outs. Oh, yeah, she helps with this. She does that. We do this. And you can start to really formulate, hey, okay, we're going to, and how this is you know, how this is actually kind of folding out, like they're going to start to say, okay, so you want to, you want to film not only the event, but you actually want to showcase like when this restaurant's really busy and some of the stuff they got going on, you want to showcase some of the really cool stuff we got going on. I'm thinking about Ingles on the coast and I, we actually want to get a drone up by like, if you want to start doing that, you got to talk to people that know those people that can get you in the door with those people when you're on the front end. So I want those people at the table initially not to make this whole plan of what all I'm going to do and then start having this conversation of, Hey, can we uh, come by and film this? Can we get pictures of, Hey, I heard you, you know, y'all were throwing this event. Can we, we want to, we want that to be in the plan on the, on the front end. 
You mentioned Main Street. I would imagine that a convention and visitors bureau, a local CVB, would also be important because they can really help craft that story as well. I think your chamber, your CVB, I mean, every town is set up different, right? Every community is set up different from the economic development standpoint, from the tourism standpoint. Some people have multiple tur- tourism, uh, have multiple tourism associations, organizations that feature different parts of town. There, there may be t- two main street associations, but this, the city itself, I mean, excuse me, the community itself has two main city. There's always all, you want all these people at the table. Anybody whose job it is to promote your community, you want them at the table initially. I think that's that's step one to be able to get these because that's your conduit to other people when you start to get more specific with the storytelling aspect. When we talk about storytelling and you alluded to this earlier, you know, a lot of people think a lengthy written piece, but our attention spans, you know, we're now consuming information visually and infographics and those types of things. But leveraging multiple mediums has really got to be a critical part of the storytelling process. So while there may be a written element, you want more than just that in the story. You would prefer other things in the, uh, rather than writing. I think one of the best examples of that, and I, I guarantee 90% of the people listening to this fall into this category, you're not willing on Facebook to click on a post that goes to an article and read a two minute article, but you're willing to sit there and read the captions to a five minute video. The delivery matters more than the time investment. What are we willing to consume as a, as a customer, as a potential client, whatever it is. And what we're willing to consume is more visual video infographics, something that speaks photography, something that speaks to me quickly. And I can take in a lot of information in a short amount of time. And then if you draw me in, I might go further down that road. But if you present me with just words, I'm not going to pay attention. So practically, what does that mean? That means getting video footage and, and editing and organizing it in a concise way to tell a story. That means putting together, taking your long 40 page documents that talk about your workforce and putting a two page summary in the beginning of it that people can can look at from a graphical standpoint and get that information quickly, then they can dive into the data later if, later if they want to. And I have to ima- imagine you need to craft the message for the medium. So Twitter is going to be different than Instagram is going to be different than Facebook, then it's going to be different for uh, LinkedIn. All of those. At, do you have to create a unique project or you just keep tweaking for the different digital uh, social media platforms? Everything has a a level of efficiency to it, right? Everything has, um, it would be best if you made a different production for every single social media platform for the slight variations in how they're presented. You're not going to do that. You don't have the time or the resources to do that. And it's not a, it's not a good law of diminishing returns. It's not a good investment for you, but they, it doesn't need to be tweaked. There are small changes to different, different mediums that you can present. So from a video content standpoint, we're talking about an Instagram and we've got 60 seconds before we have to click off into an Instagram TV or, or to another medium where we're going to watch that full video. Facebook, we're going to put it up. We've got to put our closed captions on it. 80% of people are watching videos on silent. We got to make sure the closed captions are actually um, popping up via that SRT file or whatever you want to do. We've got to make sure that we've got um, the assets for each medium that we can present it well, but you just want to tweak. I don't think you need to make something that is 
this own production based on one medium, unless it's something like a television. And I'm not going to advise economic development to be on television. You're going to want to be on your, you're going to want to be on the digital platforms for the most part, because it's more cost efficient. It's more targeted. I can target people that follow a certain site selection company. I can target people that are looking for uh, specifically from these, uh, specifically for our industry journals or whatever we're coming across. And I can get that information to them concisely. So where, where I think a lot of people, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, apologize, but when I think a lot of people start to um, need to make the biggest change on the storytelling aspect, the content they produce is the content that goes on social media versus the content that lives on their website. Website needs to be evergreen. And the website needs to be a constant um, branding, a brand awareness and branding opportunity sitting on the website. So if you've got something that's seasonal, if you've got something that you, you were recruiting a certain type of company to your industrial park and you have done that, you don't need that recruitment type video sitting on there because that industry industrial park is now full. You need to curate the content on the website to be more evergreen than you do on a social media platform. One of my biggest frustrations is seeing how quickly digital content, especially websites can become dated. And I have worked with people before because I've had to handle content and a lot of the writing and I would get frustrated. I love words. I mean, I'm a word nerd, uh, but even I was advocating fewer words, more pictures, and let's not date our content because it's almost impossible to keep up with when you have a really massive website, which also is another problem. Is that, do you find that people put way too many resources behind their website and it becomes dated and stale, broken links and all of that too quickly now? I find that people don't organize their websites properly. And so it's not that there's too much information. It's just too much information too quickly. And you need to only put information on your website that either is evergreen or you're willing to update yourself. Now, if you're willing to do both of those things, which there are several people that are, there's several people that aren't, but if you're willing to, it needs to be organized in a simplified fashion. I call it a wide versus deep website. I don't want to present all of my information on either the homepage or the, what I would call the next level, you go to the navigation and one of those top five pages. And I have all 10,000 words on there. What I would prefer is that you write 300 concise words to the actual topic. Here's this industrial part. Here's who we've got currently there. And you can click more to learn about each one of those companies and each one, what they serve. Here's this, you know, site and here's who provides the electricity for it. Here's who provide, here's the rail that runs next to it. You can click these links to learn more specifically about the rail and their capacity or specifically about the waterway and what they offer. You don't need to spit all that up. You're going to lose me at three to 500 words max. I'd prefer, I'd lean more towards 300 side, but be deep with it. They can, if they want more information, they can go get it. It's there. But if they don't, don't force feed it to them. From your perspective, how important is it now to go out and by this, I mean, leave your community 
and share your story. So you've created all this digital content, but at some point you got to get up and go to people to share it. How important is that in this storytelling process? You might as well not make it if you're not going to share it. (laughs) I mean, that's the biggest thing with this is all of this is done is a means to an end. We are creating content so that we can share said content in some manner, getting out in in 2020 is a lot different than getting out in 1980 with all the digital means that we can push this content out with. We don't necessarily have to go to Germany. We don't necessarily have to go to China, although it's good to follow up with those leads and try to turn a, turn a warm lead into a hot lead, but to develop these leads, we need to start pushing out this content via targeted digital advertising. We need to start figuring out ways to make our content from an organic perspective shareable enough that it's going to go across the interwebs, across you know the, the internet, where people can start um, consuming this content elsewhere, not in our community. So one of the, and this is way off topic or maybe, maybe not be, but one of the biggest things for me with social media, what do people love on social media? What do people love in any kind of internet stuff? They love people. They love especially themselves. Can I figure out ways to create content that revolves around people that may have some kind of influential factor to them? So they're from, you've got an executive that's, that's really big in the, in the uh, community. Now, all these places, all these boards they serve on, all these things they do. Can we feature a testimonial for them? Because they're from Germany, they're from Italy and they went to Harvard because they're incredibly well-educated and all of their friends on social media are, are big time decision makers too. And so when their mama shares it on Facebook, it's reaching something. When their wife shares it on Facebook, when their husband shares it on Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram, retweets, whatever, you're reaching a demographic that's different that you would have never touched otherwise if it wasn't for this organic, entertaining, or at least palpable content. How do you determine your effectiveness, your ROI on all of these efforts? So you've put in the time, you've got the right people around the table, you've crafted effective stories or what you believe to be effective stories. But at the end of the day, how do you measure it? What are some of the metrics? I think one of the biggest measures, well, how many, how many, how many bids are you winning? How many projects are you getting to town? That's, that is our measurement. And for all intents and purposes, that's what we're looking for. But this measurement is, is done on a five to 10 year scale. This is not something that is typically done, um, six months down the road, a week down the road. We're instant gratification community, right? Like we want to know now. So what do we do? We put up a meme on Facebook or we put up something cutesy on our website or we do something from, we send out this email talking about this and all these people like it and you get all these compliments on it, but nothing ever comes of it. Was it actually instilling trust in potential site selection consultants? Was it instilling the information that you wanted to? And so we get this instant gratification from the likes we get on Facebook and we get this instant gratification from video views that we're getting, but we're not, they're not, if they're not um, reaching your goal, then they're useless. And so I, one of the big things I always hear, well, our Facebook page has 2000 likes, who cares? <laughs> like I need to see engagement. I need to see shares. I need to see comments. I need to see people and people that matter. 
starting to push this stuff out. And if I can then start to gauge how that content is being consumed and who it's being consumed by, it will begin to lead to greater success from, from um, a site selection further down the road. And so at the end of the day, yeah, how many projects did we win? That's our ultimate goal. But when we're actually looking, I, you need to get over the, the generic numbers and dive into the numbers of who are these people that are actually seeing and engaging with your, whether it's website, email, video, whatever it is. The challenge with the five to 10 year, you know, period to determine some of the outcomes and how successful a campaign may be is that a lot of people answer to boards or elected officials who may not be in office. And they're some of the biggest, our elected officials are some of the biggest fans of instant gratification because there's no guarantee that we'll be reelected. How do you manage those expectations? If we're talking frankly, <laughs> we are, I did not name one person. <laughs> if we're talking frankly, when you're doing creating content, one of the things that I said to have at the table in the beginning is stakeholders. One of the reasons to have those people is to implement the ideas they have as well, or somehow try to integrate them into what you're doing. So if you're doing what they're telling you and integrating it with what, what is best practices, what is working elsewhere, what is, what is driving information, then I think you're going to have a little easier time at the board meeting just speaking frankly on that, um, from a holistic sense. So if we're just, we're generally talking, you don't, the board wasn't at the table when you're doing some of this stuff. Um, I think showing numbers, it doesn't even have to be digital, but showing numbers that, that we've got, Hey, we sent this out and we've gotten, you know, putting call tracking in, putting things like, you know, if you don't have Google analytics on your website, you're so far behind, but looking at, Hey, we've got, We've been, we've been recruiting really hard in Asia and our website, specifically this uh, in, in industrial parks page with the drone footage and all the information, the PDF downloads has received 173 new unique visitors this month from China, Japan, and um, India. And so if I can kind of start to tell the story huh, about our uh, what we're trying to do from a storytelling aspect to our board, to whoever we're our stakeholders, the people and say, like, we're we're making motion in in the areas we want to be. So going back to the very beginning of all this, we need to create something that is tailored to whoever our audience is. If we're creating something tailored to our audience, then we have an audience. Therefore, we should be able to measure that audience in some capacity. So if our audience is somebody, if we're just, I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but if our audience, we're sending out some kind of email to specifically to site selection people, do it through some kind of software platform where I can see how many opens I'm getting and I can see what link clicks I'm getting and then put in what they call a UTM code in that email. So I can then see what happens when they go to that website and what, what are they doing on the website once they get there? When I start diving deeper into the analytics of what's actually working and what's not working, I'm going to have a easier time expressing whether the content I'm creating is driving people to learn more about us and we're, we're being considered more or whether it's not being effective and I need to try something else. If someone is interested in learning more about how to tell a story, where can they find you? Rabermedia.com. It's R-A-B-O-R-N media.com. Or you can call our office at 601-336-1700. 
He's here helping tell your unique story. Tyler Rayburn, thanks for joining us. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.